0: Good evening and welcome to another edition of Let's Talk Cricket here on Free Thales Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in and thank you very much for those of you that have found us on all the various different links of podcasts. Really nice to see people tuning in, listening to the podcast after it's been recorded, obviously on the Thursday, going out at seven o'clock each night. So thank you very much for your support with that. Delighted as always, for once, to actually be recording live with Johnny. Can you believe it, Johnny? We're actually recording live in person rather than you doing bits, me doing bits. How are you, mate? I feel like I've not seen you for weeks, apart from Saturday.
1: I mean, I saw you on, I saw you on Saturday, buddy, so yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's nice, it's nice. I, must, I quite like the solitude of recording by myself. There's a, a little bit less pressure. I don't have to worry about the awkward, slightly conceited back and forth uh, as we're ably demonstrating this evening. Um, but it is good, and it's good to see some different faces here this evening as well, George. You've been raiding your contacts, book just to get a few more commentators on. Am I not good enough for you?
0: No, I, I've been. We've had some feedback, mate, and unfortunately, you're just a bit, bit too dry these days. Now we need some actual <laughs> solid, solid, solid backing answers, you know. You're, Is it the same
1: guys who uh, slagged us off when we were doing the uh, the commentary for Yeovil Town? Uh,
0: potentially, who knows? Who yeah, knows? I it
1: might
0: be. Who knows? Um, obviously, other providers are available, but no, we we sort of decided your medium pace was uh, not uh, worth mentioning much at all, mate. But delighted as always to be joined by Matt. Hello, Matt. How are you, mate? Hi George, I'm very well, thank you very much. Enjoying your
2: summer holiday? Uh, my, We've had a bit of a, an arm break, so my three-year-old who is a bit of a cricket fan and has been doing his batting and bowling has managed to break his arm, um, so yeah, it's been a bit of a tricky start if I'm honest.
0: And how do you um, how do you go about training a three-year-old to play cricket? Have you been coaching in a particular way or has it just been see-ball, hit-ball?
2: Uh, very much like his dad. There's no, there's no technique involved. It's a bit of a, a whack and a throw.
0: A whack and a throw. I mean, he was uh, wearing the Arbour Eleven cap quite nicely there as well. Definitely a contender, I think, for uh, our cricket tour coming up. Johnny looked very good in his cricket cap. Must, must, must say. And then, of course, finally, we've got uh, we've got Ethan for the very first time. Good evening, Ethan. How are you, mate? Evening, George. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. And um, how have you um, how have you found your sort of cricketing season? Because obviously normally I say to Johnny, "How has his cricketing week gone on?" But I'm sure Johnny would like to avoid his cricketing week this week.
3: Yeah, no, uh, it's been a bit of a different season this season. Um, I've not been playing uh, in our first eleven at Easton. I've been playing in our second team due to an injury. But I've been I've made some good new friends in, in the second team, and I have been enjoying the cricket and watching other players develop as well. It's been it's been great fun and. Uh, watching the youth come through as well it's been amazing
0: and uh, with obviously that sort of adaption then Ethan because you were you were a fast bowler, weren't you in the first team last season and obviously previous season before that as well so how, how have you how have you sort of found that injury how'd that injury come about um sort of going from there
3: yeah so the injury probably come about from just a lack of training keeping fit stretching before bowling sort of just going at it basically and then my body's just gone you know what you can't do this you've done that for too long now it's time to time it's time to pack up basically so uh yeah the injuries just come about through playing cricket just having a bit of a dodgy action springing my back a bit too much and yeah it's it's come about the rehabilitation side has been horrendous because i haven't been able to start bowling again so (laughs) i've basically been having to do nothing or do very light gym work and going for runs and stuff to try and build up strength but every time and then i go and bowl and the nets, the injury's coming back so it's kind of just been I've, we've had to try to pinpoint what the what the cause of the injury is I and mean, we, we have done that now it's kind of just a too much spring in the back so it's looking like we're gonna have to change the action up at the end of the season get a chiropractic session going and hopefully sort things out so i can be back but uh in in the meantime I've been bowling some, some quite mean off spin, which has been brilliant. So I've been having a good season either way, bowling bowling something different. Uh it's not as as competitive as it once was, but I'm still still definitely uh, definitely enjoying it. It's
0: it's definitely very much a very vicious length, I must admit, from being on the end of a couple this evening in the Nets. It's um, you know, and it, I think it's well Ethan it's quite interesting what I've watched you bowl it. You can definitely see when you are putting that effort ball through you've still got that bit of pace that's coming through quite strongly with it.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to go from taking people's heads off to then being smacked all over the park by like, shoddy shoddy spin, <laughs> and then not trying to get the effort ball to come back out. It's, uh, I definitely have pulled my back a few times this season trying to, trying to push one in a bit faster because I've been tonked over my head. And has it, has it been, um, obviously with your
0: if back you were saying about your awkward, your awkward action... Has is that, is that been sort of a thing that you've recognised with the coach or is that something that when you've gone if you've gone physio and that sort of they've said they've identified it? Is it being more of so, the, the amount of bowling?
3: Yes, yeah, so, uh, Coach Ian Stewart he's, he's picked up on it and uh, some of the players at Easton as well have gone and basically said it's because of this and that we've looked at it and uh, we've kind of pinpointed it through there but yeah it's been a, it's a lot of voices basically uh, <laughs> coming in and saying what, what they think is wrong. I think from all those voices, we've got a pretty good idea of what's going wrong. I've been to physio and they've determined where the injury actually is. So everything's lining up. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a change of action at the end of the season. Was quite an unorthodox bowler as it was anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, best to tidy things up, I think, to keep playing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, then, obviously a different role, as you said, this season. Bowling, bowling a bit of spin, but also batting a bit more than you perhaps have been before.
3: Yeah, no, I've been batting a bit more. I've had a few double-figure scores. I mean, uh, I've no, I've only ever hit 150 in my life, so I'm not, not going for a high score or anything, but I think hitting 20-odd for me is pretty good, and I've been feeling pretty good out in the middle, hitting those runs. So yeah, uh, it's been nice batting as well, up the order a little bit, because... Um, there's been many seasons where I've batted maybe two of three games and it's been the last five balls of the over and we need to hit a bunch of runs all of a sudden. So I've just got to go out there and smack it.
0: So yeah, it's been all the best for recovery, Ethan, but also as well, it's a delight to have you on here and it's a delight to be playing in the same team with you as well this season. So that's been really, really good.
3: Yeah, no, it's been brilliant to see you uh, progressing through the season. I know we've had some ups and downs batting, but I think uh, the confidence is getting there. It's a shame there's only three weeks left of the season, but I'm, I'm looking forward to next season to see the progression.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and Jolly, how have you? Uh, how have you found your week in cricket? <laughs> um,
3: it, it's it happened. It's probably
1: about the fairest I can say. I, I participated in the game, George, uh, much like your good self. Although you, you kept wicket for uh, yeah you know, at least half of their innings, um, suffering with a little bit of heat stroke, Was it not used to wearing the lid?
0: I wasn't. I wasn't really sure what happened. Um, so my eyesight, my vision went slightly in my right eye for a period of time. Um, and just the focus went a little bit, and that was a bit unsure. But apart from that, I sort of went from that. There. there is one moment I want to pick up, though, Johnny, in the game. Because let's be honest, we both were participants. We didn't really do much in the game. But it was the moment when uh, the decision was made, me, you, and our captain had our pads on. And the decision was, who was going to bat next to increase the run rate? Were you going to take the slogger? Were you going to take the... Um, or were you going to take the quick run? The quick person was going to run quickly between the wickets. And I remember... <laughs> Our, um, our opening batsman slash king of spin deciding the decision who was going to go out to bat next and I felt quite felt quite hurt by that decision that was made. What was your thoughts so on it? They
1: picked me because I'm quicker than you.
0: Yeah, pretty much. They picked you because you're quicker and then um, it sort of went from there, really. It was, it was quite, quite helpful.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it was more impressive by the fact that the batsman who came out between us, our captain, our responsible normally captain, uh, decided to try and, Flat bat, straight one, and played all around it and got out first ball. Uh, I think shortly before he went out, they was like, "If it's spin, I'm a good player of spin," and he proved that was almost entirely unfounded. Does he listen? I hope he doesn't
0: listen. He's coming on next. He he's coming on next week, yeah. mate.
1: Is he? oh wonderful, <laughs> exciting special guest. um Although I think I was, uh, what was I, I was put in to increase the run rate a little bit. Uh, yeah, I scored five off twelve, so you know, that was top effort. Um, yeah, you you did a good job though, didn't you? You hit a couple of nice boundaries from an off spinner who's broken his finger and couldn't grip the ball.
0: I mean, we don't have to say that bit. We have to say that bit, <laughs> mate. You know.
1: Yeah, we've had better, we've had better days in the field, um, and I think it's maybe testament to the fact that I do actually need to go and practice. Cause I haven't played, I haven't bowled the ball in three weeks, and uh, my first delivery, nice shiny ball, <laughs> halfway down the pitch, effortlessly just you know. Pulled away for four runs. I think that really set the tone for my performance with the ball, to be frank. Um, pretty poor, but it was yeah, really inspiring actually to see all these young guys coming through, you know, um, between the ages of like 13 and 16, all of whom seem to bowl pretty good spin. Um, I'm not sure what it is about this Eastern youth setup, but it seems to result in a lot of young spinners coming through and they all you know, did brilliantly. Like some of them have you know, all the confidence to set fields You know, with players who've been playing the game for 30, 40 years in Trev's case. You know, moving people around the field, they know what's going on. It is really, really inspiring stuff to see. Um, I quite enjoyed it. You know, although we were we were comprehensively defeated. um, I think we made the opposition who were top of the league really work for their runs. Um, It was a nice they were a nice club you know uh, saw them in the bar afterwards they seemed like a bunch of nice guys um yeah not really a bad word to say about it really other than my own personal performances which i would say were fairly characteristic of the season um but a lot of fun nonetheless i think as the as the season's sort of winding down now we can take stock and it's been enjoyable i think but slightly above my ability this year i think perhaps what about you mate how did you enjoy it
0: uh i mean i enjoyed a little battle briefly but i mean it wasn't it wasn't you know, it was it was good fun, I'd be honest. it was nice to hit that spinner for for his broken finger off the off offset for quite a bit. That was quite good fun. But I mean the most enjoyable shot for me is probably that straight driver hit off that Yorker. But you know, apart from that it was good fun. Nice to be behind the gloves. Apart from that, we'll go from there. Obviously, Matt, I know you've been busy in the garden with your with your Littleham, uh, playing cricket. Obviously you've been you've been to the Commonwealth Games as well, to see a match, so we'll come into a bit more detail talking about that. But um did you uh, did you by a chance see what that um, thing was going over Twitter the last couple of days of that dismissal at that club game? Have you seen that at all?
2: Wait, is this the uh, the run out? Yeah. That, this... Yeah. There's also, I, I meant to send to you, there's there's definitely been one up in Surrey, which is round about where I used to play. There's been a, a man cab off the last ball with two to win. Uh, so I have to dig that one out. That's an interesting one. Uh, but it's really what I really enjoy is the fact that so many clubs have got this streaming thing that they can now do, and it's it's great to sort of it's really good for so on social media, and I can see a lot more clubs sort of buying into that. I think because it it obviously I think it's obviously designed for higher up the leagues and stuff, but some of the stuff that's coming out it's great, it's going viral. Um But yeah, I think. For, for someone if that was me who had possibly paid you know 10 12 quid what is whatever it is for a match fee to then be run out in that way i don't think i'd be overly happy i just that's for me that's not how cricket should be played but um i, d- I did see there's quite a few varying uh comments below down on the underneath the video but yeah for me not good what about you
0: yeah, so um, do you want to just talk us through for those people that perhaps haven't seen it, what what actually happened in that in that yeah. first instance. I,
2: I don't know the context of the game, obviously, and what's happened beforehand, but there's a, a ball that's been bowled fairly short, nice and straight, and the the batsman just sort of plays it back. There's a clear shout of no. The umpire with the ball is coming back towards the bowler, and the umpires then sort of walked off towards what would be square leg. Um, well, sort of, sorry, mid-off as he's, he's umpiring that end. But then the bowler has has the ball for about three or four seconds and then throws it sort of half-heartedly at, this, at the stumps of the non-striker's end and has to point to the umpire that he's out. And he's obviously millimetres out. And then the guy, just, the, 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 fair play to him, the, the batsman who's out, either didn't want to be there or he just wasn't really sure what was going on because he's, he's just walked off and taken it. But yeah, some of the I think the the wicketkeeper then sprints in to celebrate and stuff. It was all a bit, yeah, not for me. That's not cricket, is it? Especially
0: village cricket. No, not at all. And obviously, as a batsman, as a batsman as we are, Matt, I'm absolutely fuming with that. I'm 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 furious. I'm I'm throwing my bat, and throwing my gloves, and throwing my pads off. You know. But Ethan, as a bowler, do you see that as a different view from what Matt's just described?
3: Oh, I don't know. I think uh, if you run out and you, if, uh, it's fair, walk off. You know, it's a. Uh, it's different as a bowler if you're bowling one and it's an LBW and you think it's plumb and the umpire's not giving it and the batsman's not walking. It's a bit different. I'd be a bit more angry then. But for that situation there, I think you just have to look at it and be like, "That's very village." <laughs> just kind of let it happen.
2: <laughs> so, uh, the ball was dead. Surely I just don't get it. I just like the the <laughs> just the, the length of time it took for the bowler to have it and the fact that the umpire like there's a clear indication the batsman aren't running. Oh, it just it blew my mind.
1: But yeah, n- not for me.
0: Johnny, have you seen it? Uh,
1: I, I have seen it. Um, and I, I did a little bit of uh, research whilst everyone else was talking and, and pulled up the relevant uh, law of the game. And I think the crucial caveat within it is that uh, when they're talking about whether the ball is dead or not, um, it is whether the ball is finally settled or not is a matter for the umpire alone to decide. So I feel like the fact that the bowler has done it, run him out at the non-striker's end and appealed, has triggered the umpire a little bit, who has perhaps forgotten about the dead ball or perhaps considered the game live if the non-striking batsman is even marginally out of his crease. Um, So it is one of those ones that just goes down to umpire's discretion. Uh, But it does seem, as Matt said, particularly off given... Yeah, it might be East Anglia in Premier League, but it's still village <laughs> you know it's not exactly to a high standard but it did remind me of that time we had a mancat in the county did five game um, and it proper kicked off um, and inexplicably our captain didn't withdraw the appeal uh, I think we spoke about that at some length last year when it happened but uh, it's one of those things that it doesn't really seem in the spirit of things but is within the letter of the law um, so as the game stands you know it, it, the dismissal stands and it makes for it makes for good content it makes for good chat. It's one of those things you don't really forget seeing. Um, and, of course, it, it does the rounds on social media, so it gives everyone something to get angry about. Um, yeah, David Lloyd pitched in, Michael Vaughan pitched in. It's just something for these blokes to talk about on Twitter, isn't it? Uh, so just as enjoyable to watch, but perhaps not enjoyable to be on the receiving end of.
4: Hey, are you going to the Yeovil Ukulele Festival? Sunday, the 4th of September at Haysbury Mill, near Crookan. 11 o'clock in the morning till 9 at night, with big acts from the ukulele world, including Plastic Jesus, Tricity Vogue, The Hedge Inspectors, 80s icon Sam Brown, Pete Brown, Hester Goodman from the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain, and local duo in sync there's a famous talkie queen she looks a flapper on the screen she's more like tickets a... are available from the website www.yovilukulele. and on the door mind, and after that, down the blind, when I'm cleaning... and it's all in aid of mind in Somerset we'll ask, never stop. There'll be performances across two stages, workshops, strum and sing-alongs, trade stands, food, raffle and more. So make sure you get there. September the 4th at Hazebury Mill near Creweburn.
0: When I'm cleaning windows Okay, so moving away from our sort of weeks in cricket then and sort of reviewing some of the social media events, we're going to dive straight into, obviously, England's T20 series. Um, What we should probably notice is on the day that England uh, were, let's be honest, skittled by South Africa, the AGS Bowl on Sunday the 31st of July, you know, bowled up for 101 all out in a T20 match, chasing 191 the Lionesses were roaring at uh, Wembley, so congratulations to the England women beating Germany 2-1 in their Euros uh, final, and sort of going from there. But obviously we're going to be viewing the cricket as we do here on Let's Talk Cricket, and we're going to start with sort of giving you just a bit of a roundup when we're looking at their uh, results. So this game started, um, this three-match series started down at Bristol, and it was really nice actually to be at Bristol to watch this game. as an actual really small dynamics um Quite a lot of temporary stands in Bristol, really weird boundary, quite short. You're expecting to be a high-scoring game, and England lost the toss at this point and were put into bat. And actually, I think whoever batted first was going to be a good decision. Um, Rory struggled, as he struggled throughout most of the series, not just in T20 cricket, but in ODI cricket as well. Uh, Butler got off to a flying start, um, 22 off seven. Milan then came in and worked quite well with Bairstow. So, Milan got forty-three off twenty-three. Bester, the top scorer of ninety off fifty-three balls. Mo Ali hit the quickest uh, half-century from an Englishman in T20 cricket, fifty-two off eighteen. He eventually finished on, and you know there was five there was uh, wickets all round. So, England finished with a score of two hundred thirty-four for six. And you know South Africa, you felt uh, was it was going to be an entertaining game if South Africa. If South Africa perhaps didn't feel particularly well in this first match. And from that sort of moment onwards, sort of allowed England to get a few too many runs. In reply, South Africa um, got to 193 for eight. So therefore, England won this first game by 41 runs. And obviously, we saw runs for Hendricks, 57. And Tristan Stubbs, in his first sort of international game of T20 cricket, the 21-year-old managed to put, hit 72 off 28 balls. And, you know, um, the most impressive sort of moment of this game, which really put the game to bed, was in the 18th over when Chris Jordan... Um, Perhaps didn't bowl particularly well in his first two overs in this game. but an unbelievable uh, over of Yorkers, really good Yorkers, and really showing his sort of class in the sort of T20 game. And uh, for that moment onwards, you know, Gleeson impressed with some really good pace throughout the series. He took three wickets, three for 51. Rashid was bowling well, two for 17. And obviously Topley as well, continuing to impress with having an excellent summer that he's had so far. So England 1-0 up in this three-match series, leading on to... Um, Cardiff in the Swalec Stadium. England did win the toss on this occasion and put South Africa into bat. And we saw uh, Hendricks, Cameron's good form of another half century for being caught by Bearst off the bowling of Gleeson. But the stand-up man was uh, who's had a fantastic season in Vitality Blast. Didn't go particularly well in the Bristol game. Was Riley Russo of uh, Somerset. You know, playing really, really well, showing continuing his form, continuing his class. Finished on ninety-six not out, fifty-five balls and wouldn't love to have seen him got a century on his second game back for South Africa, but obviously was unable to um, hit a Jordan away in the final ball and had to settle for 96, not out. He was well supported at times by, like I said, by Hendricks, by Clarkson, Stubbs as well, wasn't able to carry on his fireworks that he'd done before. And England's bowling really did get taken to town at the Swell Stadium for that moment onwards. And then England replied them again, good starts uh, for Butler again, 29 of 14, perhaps went for one too many shots on that moment of time. Ali twenty-eight off seventeen, bersto thirty off twenty-one, Jason Roy twenty off twenty-two balls, not on Jason Roy innings at all, and Limston eighteen off ten, perhaps too little, too late for him. Unfortunately, swinging a bit too hard and getting caught by caught and caught by the keeper. Eventually, bowled up for one hundred and forty-nine all out. And then the final game, this level, of the series one-one, and then the final game that happened on Sunday the thirty-first of July was at the Aegeus Bowl, and South Africa were put into bat again. You know, Woody brought, brought in the side, and so Gleeson took a took a boldo wicket made in the start of the innings, which was really, really good. Took to Cox's wicket straight away. Then Hendricks carried on his class another half century, 70 runs. Russo with 30, being bowled brilliantly by Moen Alley. And then Markram, 51 or 36, not out. Um, Miller came in 22 off nine balls, and Stubbs uh, with eight. Woody finished three for 25 off his four overs. And surprisingly enough, Mo took the key wicket of Riley Russo, but only bowled one over. And then England replied. Well, didn't really get going, to be honest. Uh, Bersto, twenty-seven off thirty balls, struggled to struggled to hit the bat. And Shamsi took a five for five for twenty-four of his four overs, which saw South Africa seal the series two-one, uh, and continued England's disappointment in the white ball game, to which brought out uh, the white ball captain, uh, not white ball captain, white ball white ball coach. Mott uh, to come out to say there's now been a line drawn in the sand. Matt, what did you make of the South Africa's 20 series?
2: Well, the, the, the Bristol performance was brilliant, wasn't it? And uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about how the batting didn't fire, and then obviously for it to then come out in the first game of that series and, and really do well. Um, I say it did well, obviously, Bearstow took, took a lot of those runs. Um, but yeah, and again, it was sort of helped by a really poor South African fielding performance. Um, but what I thought was amazing and just shows that how good a game cricket is, then the very next day you go to a different ground and South Africa just provided an absolutely brilliant fielding perform- performance um, and then obviously completely changed the game. I Just, just England's batting is, is a real worry, isn't it? And I think... Um, You know, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that Jason Roy hasn't been getting runs. He he still isn't. Um, We've got a World Cup coming up in October. Uh, I just, I'm I'm quite worried about it. If you think that other than than Bairstow, Butler got a couple of starts, but didn't really kick on. Livingston didn't really do much. Um, We've had Ali get that really good 50 out in uh, in Bristol. Other than that, he hasn't really done an awful lot. Uh, So, yeah, I mean... the standard of cricket, I thought, was good. It was enjoyable. Um, even though they lost the second game in Cardiff, they were still there or thereabouts and up until sort of like the 14th, 15th over. Um, but then, obviously, the real disappointment was, was Sunday, wasn't it? And just never really got going. And it, it seems to be the common theme at the moment, just losing quick wickets at the start. Um, I, I liked having Milan, but I don't think 2020's his... His format, I think the 50-over stuff and the Test match stuff, he's more suited to. I also think if he's playing, he's coming in at three, and Butler or or Roy goes early, then you sort of almost wasting that that power play. Um, and then obviously Barstow, who's who's been our best performer, and he's down at four. You know, and we we spoke about how Roy, how Roy just seems to get that number one slot every time, and hasn't really hasn't really changed. So. I think something's got to give with with him. I think, you know, even if it's just a couple of games out, there's a lot of 2020 cricket coming up between now and October, um, I, I believe. So um, they're going to play quite a few games. Um, so I think they've got, they're have got they going to have to try it. I and mean, if Phil Saltz played the odd game and, and he looks all right, um, I've just seen, I think they they've seen in the last six innings that Roy scored 76 runs off 98 balls. It's just not good enough.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, sort of think about Jason Roy. Let's, let's sort of go into that bit to start with Jason Roy's first question. Um, Ethan, if I was to give you these stats, right? So Jason Roy's had six innings now, 98 balls, 76 runs. He's at the top of the order. He's normally, a, you know, fires the ball, gets England off to a flying start. But he's just not firing at the moment. If you're the England selector, are you keeping him in the side currently?
3: I mean... I'm not too sure what the selection has to pick other than Roy at the moment. Is there? Are there some some people that are fit and ready that are ready to take the spot that have the experience? or is Jason Roy, the best we have kind of got at the moment. Is, is there? Is, yeah. Is there anyone else? Well, it's, it's
0: a difficult. It's a difficult call, isn't it? Because you, obviously you want to back Jason Roy because of all he's done. Obviously his 2019 World Cup. Obviously on the sidelines when they had to had to take some time at the game early in the year. We've had Phil Salt. Obviously, Johnny Bairstow can move up to the top of the order. Obviously, he's been firing all cylinders at the moment, so th- there are there are some options. But if someone's struggling in the top so- so- top of the order, do you not think it's worth taking them out of the firing line?
3: No, I think I think it's not bad shot. We would do it in club cricket, so it probably would apply to uh, international cricket as well. I think Bairstow would be a brilliant, brilliant opener. You know, he's been hitting loads of runs. Um... And
0: Johnny, your your thoughts?
3: uh I,
1: jason roy is still one of the best white ball openers in the country it's just a, I, I would put this down to a poor runner form yeah you have got other options there milan could probably open and do as good a job um best they could drop in phil salt was an option but i think in terms of experience um and in terms of just sheer star quality jason roy is still head and shoulders uh above most of these other white ball options now there's a lot of might be a bit of a hangover for Jason Roy. Uh, having to pull out early from the IPL, I don't think we still know the reasons why he had to withdraw, do we? I don't think he's ever been listed. Um, yeah, he's not been at his best since that point, uh, but he's proven his value in, in franchise competitions all over the world. He still plays with an extraordinary strike rate in the power play. When he fires, he fires really effectively and he can get England to some phenomenally high totals. This year may just be a one-off. Yeah, I, I doubt it's the start of a long period of decline. To me, he still goes to the World Cup. And to me, the selectors still need to show faith and, and have him in at that top slot in the order. Um, I think it is also, to, to England's credit, that even when Roy went cheaply in that first match, they were still, still able to push on and score a plus 240 score, wasn't it? What did they finish on the end to? Two for,
0: yeah, two three, four.
1: Yeah, 2-3-4. 2-3-4. 2-3-4, there we go. Um, yeah, you've got Milan in at three. You can... yeah. Stem, uh, stem the tide and stem a collapse. You've got Butler there who can fire. You've got Bester. You've got Ali. Uh, you've got Liam Livingston, who I think had a pretty poor series as well. Uh, Roy, I think you, you still you, you keep the faith and you keep him in that squad because he's still the best white ball opener in the country.
0: But I think the problem is it's not. He's eating up balls. He's eating up balls, and I think that's the problem with international cricket, in T20 cricket in particular. Someone like Liam Livingston coming in at times six or seven, and even. But Mo and Annie coming in at number six at times, it's wasting balls. The power play, you need to get off to a flying start. There's two fields around out out in the inside circle. And, you know, we've got an opener who normally gets us off to a flying start, a quick fire, 30 off 10 balls or 20 off eight balls or something or another. It's It's not doing the job at the moment. It's putting pressure on those batsmen. And what we've seen in those two run chases when England haven't set a total is England's either run out of time or they've had to go too little too late and gone too hard at the ball and they've not been able to hit the runs that they've needed. I'm not taking anything away from the fantastic bowling uh, from South Africa, and I'm sure Matt will pick up at the moment about some of the bowling that we've seen on display from South Africa. But I think a question mark's got to be raised that maybe Roy just needs to be taken out for a bit. Maybe go and find some confidence in the 100, find some confidence you know, in the 50 overmatch. Because at the moment, he's not, he's not fired in anything. He's not even got close to hitting a half century. You know, and I know it might be harsh for me to say that when I've also not hit half century this year, but you know, um, I, I, I do think he probably needs to be taken away from that. Matt, what did you want to come in and say?
2: Is what I thought was really interesting is his body language. Like just constantly beating himself up, you know, saying it's unusual for Jason Roy to be eight off 15 balls or whatever it was in one of the games. And I think like, like Johnny says, he'll go to the world cup. He's got to go to the world cup. He's, you know, when he's on fire, is one of the best that we've got, if not in the world. Um, so I think he still will go. But I just, if you're not, if you're not having a good run, just even if it's one game out or two games out, just to, you know, those games come so quick and fast as well. I just think, like I say, it might just do him some good. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he gets one in the hundred. Um, but yeah, like, Johnny's right, and what he's saying is you, you've got to got to stick with him. But there's there's still, you know, how how much can you give him? How many opportunities can you give him before, and that, and what message does that give to to the people waiting? Um, if we're talking about, obviously, Ethan mentioned other openers. There's a there's a guy from Hampshire that's caused 700 runs odd in the in the fancy Blast as well. Who I know you're a massive fan of, George. so I don't know whether we can always get him get him on the plane too.
0: What James Vince? Oh, potentially, potentially. You know, we we have to see that. I have to see about that stuff, definitely for sure. But just really quick then on that first point, yes or no? Should Jason Roy be given a break from the top of the order, Matt?
2: I think one or two games causes no harm. And actually, sometimes it's quite nice to sort of have that reset and just, you know, have a break from it. Like like I think someone said, take him out of the firing line. I think that's that's perfect. But you take him to the World Cup, 100%, even if he's still in this run of form, because he's too good not to Okay.
0: You know,
2: take on the plane.
0: Okay, Joey? Yes or no? Uh,
1: he's... Stays in the squad, show of faith in the selectors. He's done enough to warrant his place for a, a while longer. Yet,
3: okay. And then Ethan, yes or no? Yeah, I would say stay in the squad. You know, uh, it's probably quite tough for him with all the news articles just coming out saying how crappy he's been. Probably doesn't doesn't help him being constantly reminded that Salt could replace him at any minute. So, I know that wouldn't help me as a batsman. But yeah, I, I would say keep him in. We should keep supporting him. He's doing our doing our country's work. You know. Okay. So that's sort of the first bit. And then my next sort of point then I want to come
0: on to is what do we make of sort of Reese Topley, of Richard Gleeson and how they've been bowling and how England's bowling attacks come in? Because obviously with Gleeson coming in, that's sort of not allowed Woody really to come into the side and bowl as he's been perhaps been effective. How have we seen sort of England's bowling compared to South Africa in this series? Who'd like to start us off with that one? Do you want to start off with that?
1: Oh, me? Sorry. Yeah. I misheard you. Um, yeah, I, I think that let's. We'll start with the South African bowling attack. That's perhaps been the most impressive, even when they're being you know, battered all over Bristol. Um, one of their bowlers can still pull out a fifer. You know, Lungu and Gini bowled brilliantly. You know, four overs, although he's fairly expensive at 39, was still able to pick up a fifer, which included Roy Butler, Besto, Alleyan, Livingstone. You know, five of the best white ball batsmen in the world. Um, Hugely, hugely impressive, and you know, in a team that's also got Kagiso Rabada, Filoquio, you've got Maharaj, who I think was also captaining in a the series. They bowled out a hugely impressive England lineup on two occasions, scuttling them very, very cheaply. You know, that second match, uh, wickets you know, split fairly evenly. Filoquio picked up three, and Shamsi, it looks a uh, you know, continues to, to be a really impressive bowling prospect for South Africa, and picking up a fivefer in the final match as well. Now, you might put it down to bowler error, uh, batsman error perhaps, but even being in a position in which you can draw those errors and you can apply that pressure is is absolutely critical. And I think South Africa's bowling attack is is much more well-rounded and much more tested than England's at the moment. I think looking at some of the players that England have used so far, Richard Gleeson obviously gives us all hope that there's a professional cricketer in us yet. I think he got his professional contract at 27, didn't he? 28, He was a school teacher, George, so you perhaps got an opportunity there. Um, Yeah, he had plenty of time to to work his way into this England side and has been an impressive prospect so far. Uh, Reese Topley, you know, gets in the team both for his bowling and and as a standalone rig pick. He's absolutely massive, isn't he? And I think the amount of power that he brings to a bowling lineup is hugely impressive. Um, Sam Curran continues to threaten. I still think he's a good prospect for the long term uh, of the white ball side. Um, I found the spinners a little disappointing, though. Adil Rashid, usually able to exercise so much control, uh, seemed to have lacked it in this series so far. Moen Ali not given as many overs as perhaps he should have done. And Liam Livingston's bowling and barely used at all. Um, I think with the importance of the spinners as the South African side demonstrated with Shamsi and Maharaj, um, being in a position in which spinners are, are exercising that control, eking out wickets and forcing errors is really, really important. So I, just, I put this... This failure, as much as the batsman should have scored some runs, it's also the bowling unit failing to fire on all cylinders. And I think the one standout bowler who was you know, only given half a chance, really, in this T20 series was David Willey, who bowled brilliantly in that final match. exercised an awful lot of control, a wicket maiden to start. You know, I think he's continuing to show his value, you know, even towards the end of his career. Um, and he, I think, again, starts, takes the new ball in this T20 World Cup coming up. And it's good that they've got some left-arm pace options as well. So, a uh, hugely impressive and an awful lot of talent in this England bowling lineup. But just a, a failure to perform, really. And given they sort of mixed and matched as much as they did, I think they're still trying to f- to figure out what their attack is for the World Cup. Um, but they've almost got a, 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 almost too many options. Whereas I think South Africa have, have pretty much got their lineup sorted. I think England need to identify theirs pretty quickly. Um, a lot to take away, there a lot to focus on. Gleeson, I'm not sure, goes. Topley definitely does. Willie definitely does. And hopefully, got enough time for Rashid and Ali to find their form and you know exercise that control that you need the spinners in, in these competitions.
0: Uh, Ethan, so if we're thinking about limited overs cricket, as a sort of bowler, uh, sort of thinking about what, what are you looking for? Are you looking for to reduce runs? Are you looking to take wickets? And where do you see in that sort of limited over format who do you see being the most threatening sort of bowler to face in those sort of, in those limited over formats?
3: Well, it's a, it's a team effort, really. So, as Johnny was saying, uh, Rashid in the middle overs, you know, he's he's supporting what was uh, Archer and Ben Stokes back when they were playing. I'm not sure where they are this season. Haven't, haven't really been keeping up. But I think, uh, obviously, the opening bowlers need to basically not go for many runs. And then those middle, middle over bowlers like Rashid, they're very crucial to taking wickets when the batsmen are trying to be going to be scoring more runs so it's, a, it's, a, it's an all-team effort really it's not just the opening bowlers or one bowler doing all the work i think um, when we play cricket together we're always looking at bowling from both ends we try and have someone who's quite dangerous at one end and then someone that's not as dangerous the other end so the batsman can kind of go for go for more shots and then get out more uh, give his w- uh, wicket away more silly if that's a word <laughs> And then, sort of, Matt, sort of building on sort of that,
0: how how impressive? Obviously, I was there live and I saw Jordan's over, but obviously, take away, obviously, Jordan being quite expensive for this series. How impressive do you think it is having an experienced player at the end bowling well at the death?
2: I was going to, before Johnny jumped in first, was going to bring up um, Chris Jordan has, has obviously played a lot of international cricket for England, and I don't know how. I just feel like he's dining out off one or two good overs a spell a game, and it's just been really expensive. Um, but yeah, the, the couple of overs he did execute where he was hitting those, those Yorkers every time w- was brilliant, but I just think that's England's England's issue has been obviously the batting majorly, but when the bowling isn't firing as well, we just got no charts. So um, I think with the bowling, you do need to look at there's a lot of injuries there. Uh, so obviously Tim Mills didn't play who who probably would have done. Um Archer's long term injured. Um Mark Wood has been obviously long term injured as well. So they're three quick, good bowlers. And but as Johnny mentioned, Topley and, and Willie have been brilliant. I think David Willie's got to be one of the most unluckiest England cricketers of, of all time, you know. He's so talented with, with ball and you know is pretty handy with the bat as well. And um, obviously, he missed out on the World Cup, didn't he, in 2019 for Jofra. Um, so yeah, I just, I just think the, the death bowling, Gleason obviously gave it a go, and, and I'm not a bowler, but you know his, his, his slower ball didn't look too great, and I think where's you know, and uh, just just performed everything that he wanted to do at every time and can, and can just make sure that every ball he was bowling was where he wanted to be England didn't really seem to have that control um, again as, as already mentioned with the spinners both expensive and whether that's through a lack of cricket I know Rashid hasn't played an awful lot um, but yeah I just I think I think it's it's obviously they're going to have to write this series off as a bit of a learning curve and you know you've already mentioned that it's a a line in the sand that's already drawn but they've got to be worried I think from to go from such a dominant one-day side over the last few years to I mean can we blame it on injuries because I don't think we can I think the, the people that have stepped in you know can still perform and has Chris Jordan got a bit of the, the Jason Roy's about him? You know, he's guaranteed to play every time. Does he? Does he need a bit of a, a break and a bit of a rotation and just to keep everyone on their toes, really?
0: And I think uh, sort of obviously as we move away now from this sort of point, Butler has he has he perhaps struggled with the captaincy with his hand? Obviously, across he struggled for runs in this T20 series. He's only managed eighty-seven runs across six innings and. T 20 internationals he's not been firing like he's been doing in the IPL you know century century leading run scorer you know but he has had a strike rate of 189.13 so obviously he he needs some. he needs to sort of I guess find his place because at times I'm not sure how when he's gonna be able to sustain um keeping and then every sort of other ball running up to his bowler having a chat I don't know is that gonna be sustainable do we think do you think that's going to be sustainable? As we keep it to be able to do that and do that, and then open the batting, and so go from there. It's, it's something you're going to have to give at some point, Johnny.
1: It's it's a lot of responsibility. You know, from my extensive experience of international captaincy, um, I'm I'm well qualified to give this opinion. But you'd feel that it's he's going to have the same affliction that that Quinton de Kock had when he was um, captaining South Africa and in, in the same position. He opens the batting, he wicket keeps, and he captains. It's an awful lot of responsibility for one individual. And I think Butler, yeah, I, I'm not sure about Butler's personal captaincy record. You know, I, I think he more got this England job, I have no doubt on some degree of merit, but more because he was next in the line. You know, he's been the sort of the heir apparent for a long time now. And, uh, you know, with Morgan going, he was the front runner, but more so you know, perhaps just because of his availability than anything else. Whether he is a tactical genius or not, whether he is of the Morgan style or not, remains to be seen. But there are other captaincy options in that side. You know, Moeen Ali, I think, represents a very different style of captaincy, much more empathic, um, with, I would say, perhaps greater intuition for the game than than Butler does. Um, I think it's identifying where Butler's strengths long-term lie. and I would say that is perhaps so far, based on two series, uh, with his batting and his wicket-keeping rather than his captaincy. I would suggest that him running up to the bowler you know, between deliveries is, is a sign of a captain who has yet to find his feet and yet to properly trust his bowling attack to execute the plans as they see them. And I think that's more due to naivety of captaincy at this level than anything else. But it is a lot of responsibility and I think this, this World Cup will be a, an immense test for Butler both for his ability, his stamina and his captaincy. You know, Being able to do all these three things simultaneously is a huge amount of pressure regardless of the standard we, you know, which you play. And I think it will either make Butler as a captain or break him. Um, and I think you know, a, a, an early dismissal from the series for England would spell an end to Butler's long-term captaincy prospects and I think open the door to a few other options. But I think un- long-term it is unsustainable. Uh, I think he may find himself in the same position as Quinton de Kock was, where he resigned the captaincy to regain your form with the bat and the gloves. And if that's the best thing for the England whiteboard side, then I see no harm in it.
0: OK, and uh,
2: Matt? Um, I was about to say, oh, uh, um, if only we had a, a wicketkeeper on the... Um, on the on the board that we could speak to, but I don't think we have. So um, <laughs> I, just, uh, um, I don't I don't I don't think Joss Butler's the right choice. If I'm honest, I just I mean Jolly's gone first and, and nailed it for me. I just think, like you say, to open the batting, to be arguably the best batter in the side, to also be keeping and then running the show. I think that's too much. Even even in the shorter form of 2020, I think that's too much. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a couple of other candidates that you could take it take away from that, and I just think that England seem to have this um, the way of choosing captains just always seems to be who's the best player. Let's give it to him. And he, as far as I'm aware, Butler hasn't done a lot of captaincy in terms of his county backgrounds. Um, obviously, Mo and Ali has. Um, there's also, there's a there's a guy at Hampshire, George, who scores a lot of runs. He's a, a fairly decent captain as well. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'd, I think Johnny's right. I just think, I actually, I'm actually i actually a little bit worried about the, the World Cup. I don't think it's going to go well for England, which is a shame. And it's been, a, I think we're due a bad one. Um, but making or breaking Butler as a captain is, is definitely what's going to happen. I mean, it'd be, it'd be amazing for him, him to... to to nail it and do well but I just think that when you've got such a such a destructive player um, and a a decent white ball keeper as well you just to then put the captaincy on him as well um, at such a high pressure time with not a lot of time to go also taking over someone who's been so successful it can't be easy
0: No it can't can it and also when you have the complete change of coaching staff as well I suppose that has an impact would you would you perhaps suggest maybe him moving down the order and being that finisher in the T Twenty, or does he have to open for the sake of getting the most most balls as possible?
2: For me, for me, he's the best player, and you you put your best player at the top of the innings for, for Twenty Twenty. He's done it in the IPL and done so well in the IPL for a while. Um, but he seems to get the odd start, and it, to be fair, the the was it the Bristol game? It was a really good catch that got him out, but from a, from a really good shot. So, arguably, you that's know, a bit unlucky. Um, I, d- I don't have an issue with the moment in the batting. It would be interesting to see whether... I mean, there's a really quick fix there in terms of him dropping down to four and Bearstow going up to one, uh, one or two, if, if Jason Roy is going to keep his place. I don't know. It, it's just... It would be such a good question to ask him and see how he sees it. But you imagine that, you know, any professional Chris is going to back themselves and he's not going to take on a job that you can't do. Um, likewise, there's plenty of people in that team that could take the gloves if they wanted to uh, in that squad. But obviously, that's how that's how the coaching side see it, and it'd be interesting to see whether it does improve.
0: So final question then. Do you? Do, I suppose this is going to be the big big question. I suppose it's been the big talking point as much for England's batting, and perhaps it's bowling tonight. Do you pick on form or do you pick on class and what they've done before? I think that's probably going to be our final question as we wrap up. Sort of England review. Johnny, I'll come to you first on that.
1: Uh, it's, it's a huge question. <laughs> and you've also left out your, uh, your horses for courses option as well. Well, you can have that Do in you this one. In certain conditions, because that is also a consideration. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm characteristically for me on this one, uh, because I think in this England side, you have all options, but in advance of a competition, uh and in advance of a situation where you have some injuries in a team that's still not quite sure of itself, I think you have to go for class um, first and foremost, because then you need your best players playing in the position that is best for them. Form, I would say, is secondary, because I think these professional athletes, these pro cricketers, they perform when it counts. And I think you can trust, either yeah, the likes of Jason Roy, of Chris Jordan, I think you can trust their innate class, their innate ability uh, in the big in the big moments, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say class, but ably supported up by a good run of form in some of their areas as well.
0: Matt,
2: in I think in 2020 you can rely on class. I think um, it's such a like I say with that with that Butler innings, you know that a uh, brilliant catch. I might be wrong, David Miller. I can't remember, but that brilliant catch. You know if that if that went down and you, you see. Bears though ended up getting 90 in that game, but it was dropped four times. You know there is there is an element of luck involved in it as well. I think with the 2020 side, you can pick on previous. Um, obviously, they do play a lot around the world now. So, you know, obviously gleason has been picked for the for this sort of section based upon his, his recent form for Lanks. Um, but I can't I can't see him staying in there when when people come back. Um, I think the squad is vital, isn't it? You know, it's, it's normally sort of a 15 or an 18-man squad. And I think you you do pick on previous. But, I mean, it's a, di- it's a different question, isn't it, if this side had been performing poorly for a long, long time. Um, but there is a slump. There's a clear slump. Um, the one thing I, I want to know is, I, just, I would quite like to ask Josh Butler, you know, why after batting and doing so well, Opening up um, in the Bristol game, why did he then bowl first in the, in the second and the third game? Was that a case of it's because we haven't been doing very well on it? Let's have a go at it now, where you know it doesn't necessarily matter so much, uh, or was it just that he felt that that was the right decision to make? But um, yeah, to answer your question, I think you do pick on previous for this format. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit ChalmersAccountants.co.uk
1: and book your free initial consultation.
2: Visit our website www.ajwakely.com for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913.
0: Okay, so none of you have gone for the view that I would take which be props form. And I think form's very, very important in when it comes to that in mind. I think for too long, lots of teams fall into to trap. But of course, you've got to highlight class because obviously... Forms any temporary, as we all know from the saying. So, sort of going from there. But, obviously, finally then, sort of moving into what's going to be taking place on Wednesday. And, obviously, by the time this uh, show comes out, uh, it would have already started, is the return of the second series of the 100. And, obviously, the teams have all been finalised and redrawn. And there's been replacements coming in, all sort of going into place. We've got the Birmingham Phoenix, London Spirit, Manchester Originals, Re- Super Northern Chargers, Overall Invincible, Southern Brave, Trent Rockets and the Welsh Fire all batting out to be this year's uh, winners of the 100 2022. Um, It grew on me actually as the 100 carried on last season. I really pretty much enjoyed it. I I enjoyed in fact the double headers as well where you got to see the women's uh, play first and the men's later on. Really enjoyed that. It was a really nice atmosphere. Really enjoyed it. Actually I'm really looking forward to cheering on the Southern Brave. Obviously other teams are available for you to support. So, with that in mind, sort of carrying into place, Matthew Mott has obviously thrown down the gauntlet to some of the fringe players to say, if you perform well and you can show good form in this, then you might get a ticket to, to, the, um, to the World T20. You know, there's definitely potential there. So, where do, where do we see the sort of 100 going this way? Are we, do we think it's going to be a closer-fought competition? Have some sides, because it looked like last season some sides didn't really have the right players picked for this format... Do you think people understand a bit more? Would it be a bit more exciting? Are people going to continue to come through the through the gates for this? Where do we see this starting off with Johnny?
1: <laughs> um, my my thoughts on the hundred are well known, um, and I do agree with you. I think it is hard. Yeah, you know, how do you pick players for format, and you have no idea how it's going to work? Um, but yeah, you know, we did see some standout performers like last year. We you know, James Vince obviously had a, a brilliant series. Um, Harry Brook got some runs. Uh, young lad from Somerset, was his name? Uh, Will Smead um, had a good series as well. So there's, there's plenty of options there. Um, I hope the benefit of the hundreds, as it was last year, and as we've seen so far this summer, continues to be the excellent promotion and enhancement of the women's game. I'm still not overly convinced about the long-term value for the of, of the hundred as a as anything other than a marketing ploy for the ECB, yeah, I, I think it distracts uh, from, I would say, the more important duties of limited overs franchise cricket, such as the Blast, such as the Royal London One Day Cup, um, such as the County Championship, and it has meant that you know the fifty over competition, as I'm sure Matt is going to talk about, as you alluded to at the start of the show, George has been moved to being a fringe competition, and I think the hundred as a concept, will only really take off as a major international competition when the BCCI allows its players to take part in it. Because at the moment, I think, that, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the, the Indian Cricket Board has only said that players below the age of 21 can take part in it as a development aspect. And They've banned their senior pros from going out and taking part in the 100. It's still missing some of those international big names to make it a real draw as well. But I think its inherent benefit will be connecting with the grassroots cricketer will be bringing people in and will be the severe enhancement of the women's game um, which uh, at the expense of the uh, uh, is it the Kia Super League as was um, is going to be so critical and so important to ensuring that game continues to grow. So whilst I'm not sold on it overall as a concept I, you know, I do still look forward to seeing some packed stadiums um, and uh, some of the women's games rightly being given top billing this year.
2: Yeah my, my thoughts on it is it's a cricket competition so therefore I love it. Um, I just, obviously I went to quite a few games last year. The atmosphere was great. Um, I do, I do, like I say, understand, um, I've, said, I've spoken before about here that it didn't really require two London teams. It could have easily been spread out more. Um, but just the, everything that Johnny said about the women's game it is spot on. Um, I also think the speed of the game, um, and it's not actually until you sort of go and watch it and you notice that how bowling ten o ten balls sorry from one end rather than swapping every six it does just actually really speed up the innings. Um, it's much more watchable for people who aren't necessarily cricket lovers. I think it's a lot easier to follow in terms of just the terminology with over, uh, rather than overs and wickets and all that sort of things and having balls and batters and, you know, to the traditional people, it, it, it doesn't sit well. I get that. But if anything, you've got to get, you've got to try something to use, um, use something different to get young people involved. And like I say, once you get involved in the game of cricket, you then grow to love the the more traditional formats with your test match cricket and, and things like that. So um, I am really looking, looking forward to it. I know a lot of people on social media will say, well, why haven't the ECB just thrown all the money into the 2020 blast? I just think 18 counties is too many for them to, you know, put the money into it. You know, you've got, if you've got 18 teams so then, first of all, the competition is too long anyway, the 2020 blast. And I've said this before that, you know, until, until the quarter final stage, I don't, I don't really follow what's going on in the Northern section at all. You know, you keep, keep an eye on what's going on in the South because that's what matters, but 14 games um, to then go into to that sort of final stage. Um, I don't know about you, George, from a Somerset point of view, but I don't, I don't really keep, I know I might look at the odd result, but I don't sit there and study the tables of, of who's doing what up in the, in the North, but with the hundred, uh, it was your eight franchises and it was all very close and, um, I just, I just thought it made for a really good spectacle, and it was quite interesting. And I thought we got a lot of bad, bad rep from the more traditional cricket fans. I would say, but I think, I, I think if you go to watch it, and I know we went to a game together, it's, it's good fun. But if you love cricket, I can't see how you, how you can't fall in love with it too. And um, I'm looking forward to going on on Wednesday to the Southern Brave Welsh Fire game. You know, I'm looking forward to. You know, first of all, watching the cricket, but, you know, seeing Johnny though coming down to play, you know, as a very rarely would Hampshire play Yorkshire and he would be involved. Um, so it has got his pull. Um, I think it, I think Johnny's got a good point with the the, the professional overseas players that haven't quite maybe bought into it or, you know, the, they haven't quite got the big stars that they, they necessarily really wanted. Um but as a format, I think it's watchable. I think as a as a PE teacher, I think it has its good um, good for the for the younger viewers and uh, along with the 2020 in Bristol, the fact that some of it is on free to air TV that can only be a positive thing.
0: Absolutely, and I think um, obviously with the bear in mind, obviously the current champions in the men's competition is the Southern Brave. And in the women's competition, it's the Oval Invincibles. And obviously, as you mentioned, there's some players that you're looking quite looking forward to seeing. Um, I'm very much looking forward to spending quite a bit of time actually down in the Gs, watching the Southern Brave player. I think I'm at all but one of the games, I think, um, that are taking place down there. And I've even managed to get tickets to the Eliminator as well. So that's going to be quite exciting this season to see how that works. and goes in fact. But obviously, thinking about the squads, is there a particular squad that you think going to win this season? is there a particular focus any particular players obviously you mentioned a couple there with Johnny Bairstow and that is anyone particularly looking forward to seeing a bit more or is it just just the competition generally just going to look forward to cheering on the competition as it goes
2: I think the Rashid Khan I think he'll be a good watch um, but it's just interesting to see if people are you know even like Joe Root the fact that you know he doesn't play a lot of 2020 cricket for the, the England side at the moment it'd be good to get him involved. Um, In terms of who I think looks the strongest, I think it's very similar to last year. I think the Southern Braves seem to have a really good dynamic. They seem to have a really good bowling unit and then not necessarily the top names, but when they had the likes of James Vince, Paul Sterling, you know, people like that up at the top of the order that were, were scoring runs and everyone, Ross Whiteley, Sort of people who aren't aren't necessarily the massive names on the global scale, but do well on the county circuit. Um, they seem to sort of pick their their squad pretty well. Um, I think Birmingham also look quite strong. So they've uh, got Liam Livingston again, which he he sort of came to um, prominence in, in that last year. You know, Mo and Ali, people like that. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think I think if if people who are listening who maybe haven't bought into it last year or refused to be a part of it. I think if you sort of gave it a go and actually got yourself to a game or watched some of the free-to-air stuff on the telly, I think you you would soon realise that it's not that different to twenty twenty. I know that might annoy some people in terms of well, what again why have they not thrown all the money in, into the the blast situation? But I just think to keep all the counties happy, to put that much that much money into. Um, you know, the squads and stuff like that. Arguably if you make smaller a smaller competition, the quality is gonna be better because you're gonna have more players from, you know, around around the globe, but also around the country, fitting into the sort of this arguably like a top division competition. Um, but part of me as a Hampshire fan and one of my favourite ever cricket days was, you know, going to Laws a few years ago to watch Hampshire win the, the one day cup. It is sad, I think that it seems to have taken away from that. But then again, the ECB will argue that it's then sort of providing that youth opportunity which Ethan mentioned earlier, you know, even at club club level for the counties to, to put their, their players in and sort of showcase what they can do.
0: Johnny. I
1: think as as Matt said, anything that Anything that brings cricket to a wider audience it, it, it is going to be beneficial for the game in some way, shape or form. I'm looking forward to seeing Southern Brave compete again. I still think that you know, even on paper, they have the strongest side. I think they probably have one of the strongest captains in the league as well. James Vince, particularly in limited overs franchise, has got an awful lot of experience winning around the world. They're the, the, yeah, they're the incumbents as well. They're going to be a hard team to beat. You know, the talent they've got at the top of the order... In Quentin de Kock and James Vince is is quite extraordinary, and the, the ability they've got in their bowling lineup as well is hugely important. They've also got Tim David, an absolute steal as well. I think they retained him for about fifty k. Yeah, he's going to be really, really important to their setup this year. So I, I fancy Southern Braves' chances once again. Um, we have, although I think at the moment mostly spoken about the men's sides. I think it's a, a shame they're not doing a double headliner and launching with the women's sides as well. There was a lot of benefit last year to putting on both games simultaneously and launching both tournaments simultaneously. Um, but if, it, it, yeah, as I said last year, uh, and I think I've said it every time we've talked about 100 ever since, I'm prepared to be convinced that it works. Um, but I still can't quite get over my preconception, perhaps, that it is a marketing gimmick of the ECB to try and claw back some of the revenue they lost. And I reminded George of the fact that the BBC bought the free-to-air rights to it when they thought it was a T20 competition, uh, not when it was uh, revealed to be a hundred-ball competition. So it does, to me, seem slightly silly that you know we are prioritising a, a form of the game to which there is no international comparison. You know, and if we are serious about making these op- longer-term opportunities for the England white-ball side, particularly the 50-over competition with the World Cup approaching, it seems an odd move to move that tournament to the fringes of the domestic season. But I want to be convinced. I want it to do a good job. I want it to improve grassroots cricket, and I want it to make sure that you know domestic cricket remains viable for a long time to come. And if it is successful in its objectives about bringing in new members and bringing in new revenue, then so be it. But it is, I'm still very cynical, but I am a bit of a traditionist of the game, so perhaps that is why. Um, I will watch it. I'll probably go to some fixtures. I'll probably enjoy it. Um, but I will still grumble about it behind the sports pages of the Times on a Sunday. Um, so I, yeah, I wanna be convinced, George, I really do.
0: Well, obviously part of the reason, Johnny, why they're not opening up with a back to back header is because of the Commonwealth Games. And obviously that's sort of taking place. So that's why the women's competition this year is starting a week later when it's coming into looking at that. So there are some excellent, you know, some excellent players on both in both teams. And actually I'll, I think actually this year I'm gonna put my probably my money on uh, obviously, the Southern Brave to win both the men and the women's competition. I think that's going to be absolutely fantastic. Smith and Mandala opening the batting for the Southern Braves going to be absolutely fantastic with Danny Wyatt, Sophia Dunkling, you know, Anya Stramsall as the captain for the Southern Brave. Izzy Wong's been absolutely fantastic playing for the Birmingham Phoenix. You then got um, Meg Lanning playing for the Trent Rockets, which is going to be brilliant. Um, Alana King, it's some really, really good players um, playing across them. Alice Capsey as well had a fantastic knock, knock in the Commonwealth Games um, quite recently even after getting a black eye in, in fielding practice before, before that fixture so she's come on really really well and obviously recently taken her international debut as well for England as well sort of taking place so I think it's been really exciting in both competitions and I'm looking forward to seeing how the both competitions 100 progress but obviously I'm going to move slightly away now and sort of, sort of wrap up uh, this evening's uh, this evening show and I'm going to Come back to Matt, obviously, who has been to the Commonwealth Games, has experienced some of the T20 cricket. It's really nice to see cricket back in the Commonwealth Games. I think the last time cricket was played in the Commonwealth Games was a list A cricket. I think might have been in the 1990s, possibly. I'll double-check that in a moment. But obviously, Matt, what was the experience like? What was it like uh, to see cricket played back in the Commonwealth Games?
2: Uh, so I was very lucky to go to Pakistan versus India on Sunday. Um, just through the ballot um, it's my first time to Edgbaston as well so I really enjoyed it so obviously ticked that off that was the last sort of big round I, I actually not been to um, started off with a bit of a rain delay so we're thinking oh god here we go um, but the, the crowd was unbelievable the atmosphere was one of the best I've ever experienced in, in any form of cricket um, just really really enjoyable um, I also went with a couple of people that had never been to a cricket game before um, so that was really nice um, but I, I was actually really impressed with the the quality of cricket on show. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed. Obviously, India were, mu- were a much stronger side than, than Pakistan. I was a little bit disappointed when uh, Pakistan won the toss and batted because uh, I thought it might have made for a, a bit of a longer, better game if uh, if India batted first. Um, due to the rain delay, went down to sort of eighteen overs a side. Um, but some some really good fielding on show. Some really good. Um, from bowling from India, Pakistan sort of struggled a little bit and, and were 99 um, all out. What I found really frustrating and a lot, a lot of the the people in the crowd did as well, there's a lot of decisions like in terms of stumpings and runouts which were really obvious from from miles away um, and the umpires kept sort of just double checking with the third umpire and stuff and that sort of slowed it down a little bit which a few of the, uh, the non-cricket fans uh, found a bit frustrating. Um, but when India came out to bat, um, so, Mandana was unbelievable. Something, some of the shots she was playing were incredible and um, put a couple in the stands, which was really, really nice. Um, but any boundary or, that was hit from the Indian perspective, the, the crowd was incredible. It was a very heavily Indian uh, backed situation. Um, but yeah, so Mandana so she scored 63 or 42, I think it was. Um, Verma, who's obviously quite young, she played some really nice shots at the top of the innings as well, but she was out for um, sort of double figures, 16-ish. Um, but I just really enjoyed it, and it, it was great. And it, it'd be interesting. I know um, it's great to you know push the women's game again, um, and I think it definitely did that. I, I don't know the exact attendance, but it, it was busy. It was really busy. Um, but yeah, I, I just wonder whether... If it is going to be successful, and I know obviously in, in the next the, the next Commonwealth Games, it's not guaranteed to be there. It sort of drops and changes quite a lot. But whether they might want to back the women's game, but also maybe like make an an under 19s men's competition. I don't think obviously the the schedule, you know, fits for for a, a, a normal men's side. But it'd be another good opportunity for the, for those sort of younger. Um, younger age group sides for each country to, to, to be involved as well. Um, but I'm going to keep an eye on it. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch some more. Um, I was a bit disappointed not seeing them, but I think they've got a really strong side as well. Um, but, yeah, they had a really good performance against Sri Lanka the other day, which I enjoyed watching. Um, so, yeah, I, I was a really, really... It, it surprised me how good the atmosphere was and actually how fun it was. Um, so I'm really glad I got to go.
0: And, um, Jolly, obviously... From perspective, how important is it for cricket to be part of the Commonwealth Games and obviously be on shown on display, again, on free-to-air telly, across the iPlayer, you know, people are able to keep an eye on it, and obviously an opportunity for cricket to be on the main stage effectively.
1: Uh, it's hugely important. I just hope the standard is up to it. Uh, because I think what the Commonwealth Games often shows, or uh, any scenario in which you have you know, multiple teams competing simultaneously... Particularly in the women's game, it highlights the real disparity uh, between a lot of these nations and how they compete. You know, we know that Australia are head and shoulders uh, as a professional setup above most other nations in the women's game. They have been for quite some time. You know, England are up there competitive, New Zealand up there and in competitive, India up there and competitive. But beyond that, uh, I, I am sceptical. I think of, of of the quality of these and what an advertisement that is for the game. I think when you see an environment in which there are four teams or three teams who are who are good and one who are head and shoulders above all the others, it does highlight those teams who are perhaps not up to the same standards and can have some negative impacts, particularly when you know, the West Indies are not competing as the West Indies, they're competing as their composite islands. Um, what it does highlight, though, is, is, is the value that I think they are trying to put into this game. Uh, and... Having it on free-to-air television, having it on a national, uh, an international stage, having another opportunity to showcase the talents is really important, and hopefully it will lead to some successes. Hopefully, it will lead to more grassroots support in those countries where the infrastructure is not as well developed, and hopefully in the future it will lead to more you know, diverse competitions and a, you know, a greater amount of teams being competitive for major titles. Um, it's also just another opportunity for you know, the, 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 those phenomenally good young players in this England set up to show us what they can do. You know, um, we spoke already about Issy Wong and the pace that she brings and the enthusiasm she brings. uh, Freya Kemp, uh, Lauren Bell as well. Yeah, they bring an awful lot of talent to this young England side uh, that can replace some of those who are approaching retirement and approaching the end of their careers. It's a good opportunity, I think, to showcase what we've got. But I do worry that the disparity between teams might result in uh, in some negative repercussions and perhaps a, a drop away for the grassroots in some other countries. So although it's it's good to have it broadcast, it, it could come with some negative side effects that perhaps weren't intended when the competition was brought back to the Commonwealth Games. A complicated answer for you there, George. I apologise. But uh, I, I still need to clarify exactly where I stand on it.
0: Okay, and then obviously there are eight teams competing in this version of the T20 uh, for the Commonwealth Games. We've got Australia, Barbados, England, India, New Zealand, Pakistan, South Africa and Sri Lanka. They're broken into two different groups, Pool A and Pool B. Obviously eventually will be a, I believe, a semi-final Is it semi then onto a final. Yeah, and then obviously it'll be a bronze medal match and then a final to decide the winners, obviously on Sunday, which all can be very exciting at Edgebaston, And Matt, ultimately then, do you see England walking away with the gold medal or do you think it's going to be another another country as such walking away with that gold medal?
2: Well I'd like to say yes. Um, I think Australia are the strongest suit there but England on home soil you never know and as we all know and you know love this amazing game anything can happen. So um, I definitely think that they'll be in medal contention and um, they're in the other group aren't they from Australia so that would be a good final if, if that came across. Um, Yeah, I'll definitely be watching. I'm really looking forward to it.